Good morning. Today is Thursday, January 21st, 2021. I felt like the mood of America shifted yesterday. Clearly, America faces enormous problems and clearly there will be setbacks and disappointments. But the first step of any journey is pointing in the right direction, in the direction in which you want to go. America yesterday showed her strength, her resilience and resolve in what I found to be the most beautiful manner yesterday. And the most surprising part of it for me personally was hearing for the first time Amanda Gorman, this 22-year-old poet laureate, recite her poem, The Hill We Climb, during the inauguration. Her words were so profound and her performance the energy of her voice, the timber and rhythm of her voice, the gracefulness of her hands as she acted out the words she was saying. I found the effect mesmerizing. Later I learned that as a younger person, she had a speech defect. She has an inability or difficulty pronouncing certain letters or sounds. And it was at that moment that I thought of Moshe. And I thought of two questions. When God first appears to Moshe at the burning bush and God tells Moshe his mission will be to go back to Egypt and to lead the Jews out of Egypt. Moshe defers, declines, desists. Finally, Moshe says, Lo ish anochi, gamitmol gamishilshom. I'm not a man of words. Ki az ki ki I am a person with a heavy tongue and heavy speech. It's not exactly clear, looking at the commentators, what that means. Does it mean that Moshe had a speech impediment and he was not able to form certain words? Rashi actually says that he had a stutter. Or is it that he was unable to verbalize the ideas? He was unable to be convincing in the transmission of his words. It's not clear from the commentators. But let me start by asking the first question. Why would God choose someone for a speaking role if they are not adept at speaking in whatever manner? But why would that be the choice? I mean, this is primarily a speaking job. Speaking is, is a requirement. Why not choose someone who is skilled at speaking? 
And the second question I want to ask is, after this Pasuk, whatever it means, whatever shortcoming Moshe is referring to, we do not see anywhere in the entire Torah any effect of this speech shortcoming. We don't find Moshe unable to speak. We don't find Moshe unable to engage in powerful rhetoric. I mean, think through the rest of the Torah, the speeches that Moshe gives. After the sin of the golden calf, when Moshe says, Mi la shem elai, who is to God? Come join me. I mean, that's just rousing. It's, it's inspiring. It's frightening. The speech is at the end of the Torah. <clears throat> All throughout, Moshe seems superlative in his abilities to speak and communicate. What does he mean? What came of this inability of what he spoke? So I came up with an answer from Amanda Gordon. Like Moshe, she had a speech impediment as a child. And she said in an interview a while ago with NPR, it was one of the reasons that drew her to poetry. Having an arena in which I could express my thoughts freely was just so liberating that I fell head over heels. And then she made the following observation. She talked about other poets, great poets. Maya Angelou was mute growing up as a child. And she grew to become one of America's greatest poets. And she said, remember, she's 22 years old. <clears throat> she said, so I think there's a real history of orators who have had to struggle with a type of imposed voicelessness. And confronting the opportunity of something like the stage at the inauguration. She had to overcome it. Could it be that God chose Moshe to bring out of him abilities he might never even have realized that he had, certainly never realized he had abilities that he could put to such revolutionary use and effect. Could it be that God chose Moshe in order to develop his speech to such amazing ability? And I also found Gorman's words yesterday applicable to America, of course, including her reaction to the riots on January 6th. I found that her words are likewise a reflection on our history in Egypt and our present and our future. 
<clears throat> Late last night, I heard an interview that she did. And she said that before she does a public recitation, she has a mantra. She has these words that she says to herself every time, privately, in quiet. And it's how she gets herself ready to perform in public. And she says the following words. I am the daughter of black writers who are descended from freedom fighters who broke their chains and changed the world. They call me. But that is also our mantra of Pesach. That's exactly what we are communicating every time we remember the Exodus, every time we recall it, every time we celebrate it, every time it comes into our consciousness. That is our mantra as a people. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? We've learned that quiet isn't always peace in the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always just is. And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. And so we lift our gazes, not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. We close the divide because we know to put our future first, we must first put our differences aside. We lay down our arms so that we can reach out our arms to one another. Let the globe say nothing else. Say this is true. That even as we grieved, we grew. It's because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. We've seen a forest that would shatter our nation rather than share it, would destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy. And this effort nearly succeeded. But while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. While we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. So while once we asked, how could we possibly prevail over catastrophe? Now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? But one thing is certain. If we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. When day comes, we step out of the shade aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light. If only we're brave enough to see it. If only 
we're brave enough to be it. The story of America today and the story of the Jewish people from Exodus until today by Amanda Gorman. My friends, I wish you a great day and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person. I'd love to hear what you think about the poem, about anything else that happened yesterday. Rabbi? Yes? I just want to make a comment about what you said about uh, receiving the Torah in Egypt as opposed to receiving it in Sinai. Yes. Okay. All right. I buy that. I agree with that. That makes sense. What else? Yes, George. Right. That's true. It could have been that that helped Moshe get used to it. But I think, I mean, just the simple reading of the Torah, whatever deficiency Moshe was describing in himself, I, I think it was overcome. And I'm just pointing out this remarkable young woman points out specifically relating to difficulty with speech requires a person through practice, through effort, to become often a superlative communicator. I know I went with Aaron the first time. Yes, Aaron the first time. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Jewel. Thank you. Yes, Adriana.